Hello and welcome to Chutzpah. I'm your host, Adam Greenman. My days are spent as the CEO of the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island, an organization focused on building a stronger, more vibrant community here in the Ocean State. One of the joys of my job is getting to sit down with leaders throughout our Jewish community. I learned so much from the members of our community, and this podcast is an opportunity to bring our conversations and insights directly to you. Our guest today is Jeremy Eisenberg, the president of Czech's Finer Foods. Jeremy has dedicated himself to Czech's, a business founded by his grandfather, and worked closely for many years with his father and brother to establish deep and lasting relationships with vendors and customers alike. In today's episode, Jeremy and I discuss the importance of leadership grounded in authenticity and the values of loyalty and work-life balance, even, or maybe especially, at the top. As always, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. If you have a lightning round question you think we should ask our guests, or you just want to provide us with some feedback on the show, please email us at chutzpah at jewishallianceri.org. Now I'm delighted to share today's episode. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Jeremy Eisenberg, who is the president of Czech's Finer Foods. Jeremy is part of a long line of family members who have grown the company, and I'm excited to talk with him about that family legacy and talk about leadership. So, Jeremy, welcome to Chutzpah. Good morning. Thank you, Adam. Happy to be here. So why don't we actually start there? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Sure. Well, I am an East Sider. I, uh, I went to nursery school at the JCC. I, uh, we, it's sort of funny. We grew up on Eames Street, which is only a block away from, from the JCC, so it was always a part of uh, sort of my early years, and I was uh, one of the, I think the third or fourth class at the uh, then Solomon Schechter Day School, wow. so I was a, a day school guy, and uh, went to Wheeler uh, for high school, so sort of Providence through and through. Uh, my grandparents uh, came here from uh, Russia, so they, they came up to the big city from Fall River, and they, they lived on Emmeline Street, so I literally cut, cut through the bushes to get to their house when I was when I was a young kid running, running over to see them, but uh, deep roots here in Providence and uh, very proud of them. That's great. And, and you talked a little bit about how you were one of the first classes at Solomon yeah. Schechter. How was Judaism a part of your upbringing more broadly? I think I'd say that it really helped solidify my values. You know, it's, um, you know, it's hard to sort of look back and, and, and say like, what was the thought process or the decisions that my parents made to sort of you know, make that part of our lives. But I look back and, and truly think it was a gift. Um, you know, I think it, it gave you a deeper appreciation also of like the generations. Like I remember just even on a Saturday morning going to temple with my grandfather, you know, and, um, and I can, I feel very comfortable in my Judaism. You know, it's funny, I think when Amanda and I, my wife were fairly young and we had gotten married, we were at a friend's wedding who was a Bethel member and I was an Emmanuel member. And he said, Jeremy, this is Rabbi Gudman. He said, Jeremy, anytime you're ready, you're welcome to come over to the dark side. So um, here I am. We're now, my family is now members of Bethel. And we're fourth generation there. So, wow. um, you know, something that I think that's very important to me um, and trying to make it important to my kids too. It's terrific. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
So why don't we pivot a little bit and tell me a little bit about Chex Finer Foods. How do you describe it at a cocktail party and and tell me a little bit about the history too. Sure, so I think the first part of the description is third generation family business. Mm-hmm. Um, we are specialty and natural food distributors and importers, so we primarily sell to grocery stores, um, all premium you know, food products. So anything that you'd find in, in, in the grocery aisles, that's us. But I'll, I'll tell, I'll, there's plenty of time to talk about the business part, but I think the family part is really part of maybe what, what's so interesting and unique. My grandfather started our business when he was 55 from wow. zero. Okay. So um, I think a lot about that. You know, I came into the business when I was 25. It's a lot of uh, pioneering. The industry was first forming. Um, you know, he was opening up customers. My grandmother was opening up customers. My dad uh, joined the business from, you know, the very beginning. Uh, it's a funny family story that he was out in Mexico after graduating from college, and his brother-in-law called him up and said, David, what are you doing? Get back here and help your parents. So he just, you know, show, drove home and showed up. Uh-huh. We started pretty humbly. My grandfather was selling first out of his mother's living room, where he'd have all the inventory piled up, and then they had a little garage in Sharon, Massachusetts. I don't know if we're as famous as some of the other garage starties, like, you know, Bill Gates or Hewlett Packard, but you know, I, I think that that those humble beginnings like keep us grounded. Mm. I wish you know my grandparents could see what we've been able to do. We certainly got the pleasure of working with my dad. So those generations, you know, my dad had a chance to work for many, many years with my grandfather, and I grew up in the business. So you know, I I, uh, I used to go to the trade shows dressed up in a three-piece suit when I was probably eight years old, trying to sell people things. You know, I worked in the warehouse and I went out on deliveries and I had a sales route and I learned how to do the purchasing and buying product, which is a big part of our business. So, you know, I feel like having all those varied experiences growing up really gave me a deeper appreciation for all the various roles that people play within the business. And I view the business as a circle, like we're all dependent on one another. I think it speaks to the most important thing. How we got there sort of shares a little bit about where you're going. Somebody who my parents owned a deli when I was growing up and getting the behind the scenes look at a family business was fun and enjoyable and, uh, you know, also gave you a window and, you know, this is something I want to do. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'll sort of speak to two parts of that. One of which is, you know, our, our industry and so much of the food business was truthfully Jewish family businesses. Huh. There were a lot of, not all Jewish, but all family businesses around the country. You know, it was the Perlmans out in Los Angeles, Bud Suarez down in Florida, and it was the Eisenbergs up in New England and the Andersons in Philadelphia. And as the business has changed, like there's very few family businesses left. Either they've, you know, sort of failed or sold or merged and it's you know it's I feel like it's um it's a gift but it's one that you really got to work on I mean I remember when I first came into the business somebody said oh well 83 percent of family businesses fail at the third generation good luck so you know I think you sort of carry that with you as sort of a motivator to you know exceed and, and go ahead but you talked about values right so to me values are non negotiable like they are on the wall when you walk into my building. They're part of every presentation we make to current or future customers. It's, who def- it's what defines you. And one of our core values is honor our legacy. Never forget where you came from. Mm. And um, I think that just sort of speaks to the, the humble tradition that we all began from. There's 
customers of ours that my grandfather used to call on. Wow. You know, he has uh, one customer down in Rhode Island McQuaid's uh, market. He has three stores and Michael McQuaid would, uh, he'd always lovingly, you know, hit, hit my grandfather, sold to his father. And he would say, how's my favorite peddler? You know, so uh, that's all good. You know, it's part of the part of the folklore. Yeah. So Jeremy, how long have you been leading the organization? Leading? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I got a great team. But um, I've, been at, I've been at this. It'll be 20 years in February, which is sort of hard for me to believe. Um, I was uh, working in New York City, applying to business school and not going into the family business. And honestly, I was there during 9-11. And I think that was sort of like a little bit of a uh, Takiya Gadola moment where I was like, really? Like, my dad was sort of getting to the end of his line and honestly, you know, probably wasn't going to keep the business. And I said, what do I have to lose? So, you know, here I am, 25. I made plenty of mistakes, but I was also like a little bit more willing to take some risks. And in large part, you know, plenty of plenty of mistakes, but many of them paid off. Was it always something you wanted to pursue? It sounds like... It Maybe, was. Yeah. It was. And I just, I think the narrative was that I was just too young. Like, I wasn't ready for it. You know, I remember being down in Newport for lunch. I'm trying to remember what restaurant, but we were down there and he asked me, hey, you sure one last time you don't want to come in? And I said, no, I just don't think I'm ready. And then I went back to New York and I thought about it and reconsidered and quit my job and moved home. Probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. And certainly it sounds like kept the business a family business. Had the chance and privilege to work with my dad for many years. Had the privilege of working with my brother still mm-hmm. today. He came in about two years after me. So he's been at it for about 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly have had a lot of growth in between. Good laughs, but you know, some good celebrations along the way too. That's great. I, I want to get back to the risk-taking sure. uh, piece in a, in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I've heard you talk about in other settings, the idea that every business is a relationship business. And I wonder if you can say a little bit more about that. You know, I think that sort of two words come to mind that sort of embody how I think and how we try and do business. Trust and integrity. If you don't have those, you don't have anything. So, you know, to me, you lead with trust, trust of people, trust of relationships. I'm very loyal by nature. Um, so I think, you know, when you're really working on the same side of the table, whether it's with a supplier or a customer, you know, from a win-win outcome, as opposed to somebody's trying to win and somebody's not, you get to better places. They get to trust you and they get to know you and they get to see who you are as a person. And you're really, you know, showing up as a partner to help them. And it just changes the paradigm. And I think my, my world is like David versus Goliath, you know. We're the, we're the, you know, regional family business competing against publicly traded $25 billion companies. So you're never going to be sort of the complete solution. So you really have to carve out a niche of a value-added supplier and partner. And I think that's a key part of it. Chutzpah is brought to you by Jewish Roadie Media. But don't leave us lonely. If you're interested in partnering with us, we would love to feature your business, publication, event, and more in an ad spot just like this one. When you realize you showed up to a dinner party empty-handed, we're the friends saying, don't worry, this whitefish salad is from both of us now. Join the podcast potluck today to be a sponsor of Jewish Roadie Podcasts. For more information, contact Peter Zeldin at p-z-e-l-d-i-n at jewishalliance.ri.org. 
what you said about looking at things as a win-win and not a I win you lose situation. It's it's remarkable how simple of a concept that should be, but how hard it actually is to get to and and um, it's just such a good value to kind of use as a guiding point for not just the relationships you're building, but the the sort of the business you're building. I think you're right that people when they know you're genuinely coming to the table for partnership as opposed to, you know, business. And I think about on the supplier side, like we work with a lot of brands and we built and in the first distributor for a lot of brands, many of which people on listening to the podcast would be familiar with. We're, you know, the first distributor for a little popcorn company called Skinny Pop, oh, wow. Tate's Cookies, um, Justin's Peanut Butter Cups, you name it, right? You're speaking my language. All right. So, yeah, we, we both enjoy food. So, like, I think at the end of the day, and that's like, you know, three of probably have, who knows how many. I don't really keep track of that. But it's just, I think the, the, the main story is, like, you work with people. And um, I think the one story I'll point to that I, I think I'm most proud of is actually this local tortilla chip company called Mi Nina. So it comes in a big brown bag, and it's got a little abuelita on it making, you know, tortillas the old-fashioned way. That's a, it's, it's, it's made by a chef. He doesn't know the first thing about the food business. He knows how to make a damn good tortilla chip, and he knows how to cook the living daylights out of you. Jamie, is he owns Mistral and Sorolina and all these phenomenal restaurants in Boston. And he was, you know, peddling his product to some of our, our local customers. He was in about 10 or 15 stores. And one of my sales reps and one of my customers was like, hey, take a look at this. I called him, and I met with him. And... It goes back to the analogy I gave you sitting on the same side of the table. I said, he's got something. His product's good. So how do we help him build it? It will come back to us. You know, I think these are the things. It's just it's how you choose to go about things. And, you know, I think I was taught that by my, by my dad. And I'm sure, you know, I didn't have a chance to work with my grandfather. But I'm sure it was the same sort of core values that, you know, gotten passed down through the generations. That's what makes those core values so important. So it, important. It's, it's the continuity among the generations. So, Jeremy, can you talk about what you think are some of the most important decisions you make as the leader of Checks? The company you keep. I think it's the people that you bring into your company that embrace what we do. By no means perfect, but we've had some and continue to have some amazing people that work at work at Checks um, that live the checks way that, you know, really embody the passion that we have. I think our business is full of passion. So, you know, I think of, you know, different salespeople over the years or, uh, you know, just even people on my operations team. Boss, don't worry about it. We're going to get it done in the middle of COVID when we have no people and the orders we can't keep up with. Don't worry about it. We'll get it done, you know, because they're so committed. So I, I think about that. And, you know, I think the company you keep goes in my business because we, we're basically buying food product from manufacturers or importers and selling them to retailers. You do business because, with people because you want to. You know, it's the people that you really want to, you know, grow with, that you want to be committed to. There's other people I do business because you have to. But I just think, like, that is probably the single biggest factor because bad people, problematic people, problematic vendors... Leopards don't change their spots. So you're spending a lot of time unnecessarily on um, things that take you away from like what you really could be doing better. Yeah. So I think the people part is probably the most important part. Mm. 
It's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what are some of the hardest decisions you make as a leader? And, and I think more importantly, hard decisions are hard for a reason. So yeah. what's the process you use to, to make them? It's interesting. I've probably done like, you know, all these different leadership courses and books that I've read. And, and at the end of the day, I think, you know, you really got to gather your facts. Um, but I think you have to overlay that with your heart and your gut. You know, I think if you f adjust about facts, you're going to miss the nuances. You're going to miss taking those risks, miss taking a chance on something. Um, on paper, it doesn't always add up. Um, and I think the other thing that I'll say is thinking about decisions not in the short term, but thinking of them more in the long term. So, for example, you know, I think that's really one of the privileges of a family business um, is that, you know, I don't have to report to Wall Street. I've got to report to myself and to my brother, you know. And so you can make decisions that may not make sense right now financially, but they're the right thing to do for the long term. You know, I'll give you an example about 2016. It was my birthday, May 16th, so I remember this. We had an 18-year relationship with Whole Foods Market. Previous year, we were the supplier of the year, uh, grocery vendor of the year, all these awards and accolades. We grew the business by 35% a year for 10 years in a row. Okay? Couldn't have done a better job. Thank you very much. After 18 years, you've got 60 days notice. We're consolidating all our purchases out of Austin. So we lost a very big, significant portion of our business in 60 days notice. That was the darkest, most challenging time I think I've ever been through personally and professionally. What did I do? Everybody said to me, Jeremy, cut deeper than you think. Lay off more people. Cut your expenses. Do everything you need to do. I said, well, what the heck am I going to do when I need to grow it back? Because I was confident that that's what I was going to be doing. So I didn't cut that many people. I think I cut like, you know, 10% of my workforce and like, you know, at the end of the day, like I look back on that and I said, I think that was actually one of the best moves I made because we had the people there as we, as we grew the business back and we grew the business back by three X in, I don't know, five years, wow. you know? So, um, it was, it was a risky move, same part to the beginning of the conversation, but the risk, risk in that regard did pay off, but it was more courage and determination and belief in yourself and belief in your people and belief in the, the value that you brought to your customers. I still stay friendly with some of the, 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 the people that were at dinner with one of my Whole Foods buyers um, the other week. It's the worst decision my company ever made. But needless to say, um, we are, we're probably better for it. Yeah. And I think when you were talking, I was thinking about that the benefit of a family business in that mm -hmm. situation, you know, if you were responsible to Wall Street or shareholders, oh, yeah. you know, the the decision would be very different. And I actually think that's part of the challenge with with things today is yeah. that there's not enough long term thinking or there not isn't. enough, you know, yeah, in the short term, this is going to help me on my balance sheet. But in the long term, I'm going to need these people to help me grow this business back. Yeah. And, and I think at the time, you know, my dad was still alive, right? So he passed away in November 16, and this was May. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be fine. I said, oh, okay, I'm going to be fine. And, and he had been through that. He had lost significant customers over the years, you know, sort of like almost one a decade. Mm. It happens, but 
that's part of rebirth, you know. So right. you, you you know one door closes and three or four open, but um, that also is part of it, is the history. Like you've been through that before. You're not alone. You're going to be okay. So just that own sort of like uh, motivation and courage and sort of support and belief like that. I think there's a huge piece of like you know my own determination and, and you know a belief that we would we would persevere and be better for it. So yeah. you just talked about risk, um, and we keep coming back to that. Why don't you just talk a little bit about the importance of taking risks? Sure. Well, there's a big sign in my office, and it says, I'm paraphrasing because I probably can't get exactly the word, everything great in life is right outside your comfort zone. Okay, so I learned that. I'm a, I've been a, a member of YPO New England. YPO is a business, global business organization. You know, I look back, and I, I, I learned that lesson from YPO. You know, because it really pushes you, pushes you as a person, pushes you as professionally. And I think, like, you have to have confidence that you're not going to always know everything. If you knew everything, there would be no risk. And then what? It, it, it's not, it, you're not going to gain or grow. I think risk is a balancing act, you know. Risk and reward, they do sit on opposite sides of the, of, of, of the street. And so for me, like... I think if I feel a little bit uncomfortable, I'm probably making the right decision. Mm. And so it's it's learning to be comfortable in your uncomfortability. And 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 that's that's and I, I I try and I'm, I've learned a lot. I took an amazing class with a professor last year through IPO about decision making, and she talks about how you need to you know push the decisions in your business down to the lowest competent level. Why? If you're making the low-level risk decisions as the president of the company, who's making the high-risk ones? Nobody. One of the favorite anecdotes I ever read about President Obama is you know, the fact that he, when he was president, would only wear gray, gray suits or brown suits and only wear white shirts or blue shirts because he didn't want to have to think about yeah, matching sure. a tie in the morning because you you only have enough brain space for decisions. And so that idea of making sure that, one, it helps grow leadership in the organization sure to does. push some of those decisions down. But uh, two, it does free up your space for the hardest ones. You're listening to Chutzpah, a Jewish roadie podcast. Now you're listening to us tell you what you're listening to. Would you rather hear your own business, publication, event, or product being featured in an ad spot just like this one? You can become a sponsor of Jewish Ready Podcast and advertise with us. Don't miss a chance to be featured in Chutzpah or one of our upcoming series in a new way to advertise with Jewish Rody Media. For more information, contact Peter Zeldin at P-Z-E-L-D-I-N at JewishAllianceRI.org. That's how you develop people. Right. You know, they, they learn by making some mistakes. I say this to people all the time. I trust you. And, and secondly, don't worry about this. The worst thing that happens is it doesn't work. We're not going to go out of business over this. Right. So, you know, you just got to help people understand. That's how you get those instincts. And that's how you learn from your mistakes. And you have to be a student. You've got to look back and go critically and say, hey, I'm always, how can we improve this? Um, you know, what are the different opportunities that we might have? What did we miss? You know, so I think that there's, I actually taught the, the, that same 
content to my leadership team from this decision making uh, course that I took because I think you got to pay it forward. You know, you got to help people, you know, develop their own um, business sense too. Yeah, that's a great segue to my next question. Um, yeah. Talk about uh, growth and development. Who is someone? Who is or was somebody that you look to as an example of good leadership, and why? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if I point to any one particular person, but um, as part of my YPO journey, I have a a group that um, is is called a, a forum, right? So it's a group of roughly eight to ten of us. We meet. Um, once a month, I've been in the same forum for 14 years. Mm. I have four of us that have been together since day one. This is like my personal board of advisors. They know me better than I know me sometimes. Mm. And I look up to them for um, advice, um, shared experience. You know, YPOs tries to keep you away from giving advice, but really more talking about shared experience and curiosity and sort of you see things through different lenses that way. But um, that's my that's my go to uh, when I have sort of challenging moments, whether they're personal or professional. Um, they're there for you, you know. So I, I think that that would be sort of the group that I would speak to. Um, you know, I think there's other leader leaders that you read about or that you follow. That you know, I don't, I don't think there's one that I'm like you know a, a loyal worshiper to. But like I I try and read a lot and listen to sort of different frameworks and. Uh, ideas that people might have and try and see what what what, what works for me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, what do you see as your most important job as a leader? Developing people. Mm-hmm. And I go back to that. You know, it's like your job. I mean, listen, I think at the end of the day, as, as the person that's, you know, president of the company, I have to say my primary job is to make sure, you know, the financial health and well-being of the business, because without that, you have nothing. So let's just start with that. Um, you know, we've always run a fiscally responsible business, never been sort of above our ski tip. So I, I think like that you have to do like as a given, but most responsible, you know, spending time with people, building those relationships, um, both internally and externally. Um, that's what I love. Um, I think I'm fairly good at it. Um, but I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's authentic. I really enjoy people. Um, so I think I literally, like right before Thanksgiving, I had a chance to have like some awesome customer meetings in person, you know, like, like Kinahora. And uh, I just got such energy mm. and different ideas, like ideas that come up. I love like just collaborating. That's the good stuff. Totally, totally agree. Um, uh, I know we. you just said, you talk about shared experiences, not advice, mm-hmm. uh, but we talk so much about the importance of developing people and that leadership can happen at any level. Uh, so share some advice for folks who are lo- looking to lead uh, no matter where they are in an organization. Be authentic. Get to know people. Get to know about them, about their family, about what's going on in their lives. Be thoughtful. Be empathetic. I treat my team, I address them as dear Czech's family. That's because that's how I'd want to be treated. So, and don't, and don't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do. So I think, you know, especially today, I mean, everybody's stretched thin. 
Um, it's challenging times, both at home and at business in the business. And I think just checking in on people and show, knowing that they, that you genuinely care about them and um, you're there for them. I think those are really the, the, the pearls of wisdom that I pass down. And I, I try and I hold myself to that. I'm not always perfect, but I really am deliberate around that. Great. Thank you. Sure. Um, so last question before we get to the lightning round. Love it. What's the biggest lesson in leadership you've learned and how did you learn it? It's funny. I think about this. So my son is going to be 14. He's got a poster that he ordered on his wall. It's actually a Monopoly piece. And it says, stay hungry, stay humble. I think that's it. You know, don't be complacent. Don't be satisfied with the status quo. Treat people with respect. You're going to try and find a lot of articles about us. There aren't any. I don't like that. I don't need the, I don't, I'm not looking for public accolade. You know, how do, how do our customers see us? How do our employees see us? How do our suppliers see us? How does my family see us? You know, that's what I, I think that's your ultimate, you know, judge. And I, and I truly remember as an eight-year-old, maybe, ballpark, sitting around my grandmother's kitchenette. She's a very wise woman, you know, very community-based and, you know, huge volunteer. I think it gave a lot of role models of my values and sort of like a leadership for philanthropy. But she said to me, I still remember this, live below your means and save before you spend and, and take care of those that are less fortunate than you. So all of that sort of, those lessons that were ingrained in me so young, I think it's like they've helped inform me as a person, but also how I think in, in the business, you know. We're not trying to, like, be flashy. We're just trying to do a great job, you know. And giving back is obviously really important to both me personally and to our family. Um, and, you know, just doing the right thing. You know, it's just it's just what what you do. And it, I know, it's like your, your North Star that you follow. So I think that those are just sort of part of who I am. And I think being the same sort of person of in your business and outside of your business makes things a lot easier so you don't have to slip on different skins. I'm one skin. I like it. It's just easier. You know, it's sort of like your Obama, you know, outfit scenario. Like, you don't have to think about it. Just be yourself. And I, th I think that authenticity is, um, it's just one of the things that I, I don't, I don't, I don't have to work at because you just, you just are. I think that's great. And, and all that really does fit nicely under the stay humble, stay hungry yeah. sort of mantra. One of the things that uh, I uh, struggled with when I first took this job was, you know, I came in really like I'm going to be who I am and uh, got yelled at for not showing up at certain events or certain things. And I'm like, I have a, you know, the girls must have been six and four at the time. And I'm like, I got a family life. Like, I got to be, that's important to me, and that's just how it is. I know? think that that's really important. And I think especially, I've learned so much through COVID about, you know, you're on as a team's call, and somebody's kid is, like, tugging at their side because, you know what? They're still a mother, and they're still a father, and that's what makes life beautiful. And that's what's important when I talk about, you know, 
getting to care and to know about people, celebrate that, mm-hmm. capture that. I, I, you know, I think this concept of, of work-life balance, like, you know, it's a give and a take now. It's not a nine-to-five thing. And you know what? Some people, ha- you've got to support that. And that's, I think that that's a huge piece of, of what it is to be a leader. So if you model that, then you know what? Your, com- your employees can exhale and feel comfortable when they have to make those decisions too. Oh, Adam had to take care of his kids. You know what? Hey, Adam, I need some time. I get to take care of my kids too. And you know what? You're okay with that, as am I. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for making me feel better about that. <laughs> um, no charge. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, Jeremy Eisenberg, you've been a terrific guest. Uh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Are you ready for the lightning round? I am ready. Okay. Favorite Jewish food? Potato laki, uh, sour cream on the bottom, applesauce on top. Tis the season. Oh, yeah. Favorite Jewish entertainer? Oof. Neil Diamond. All right. Singing uh, Cole Nadre, probably. I don't know. <laughs> uh, favorite Jewish ritual or custom? An aliyah at your child's bar bat mitzvah. I've got that coming up soon. You'll love it. Bake with locks or corned beef on rye? Depends on where you're talking from. Um, I think I'm gonna go with corned beef on rye because that's more of a scarce commodity nowadays. Favorite Jewish holiday? Yom Kippur. Favorite Yiddish word you'd like to slide into conversations? Putz. Do you like your kugel sweet or savory? Usually neither, but I'll say sweet. Purim or Passover? Passover. If you could add one thing to the Seder plate, what would it be? A dog bone. Hmm. I have to ask why. Because part of the family, they need a little representation. Not just a shank bone, you know, that's a sacrificial bone. You need a a good bone too. All right. Um, Name one celebrity you want to do the horror with. I think this is hard. I have no idea. Stump me on that one. All right. I'll come back to that. We can always throw Neil Diamond in there if we need to. No, 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 I'll think of something. Uh, Last question for you. Hold on, ready, ready? Yeah. Ask it again. Name one celebrity you want to do the horror with. George Burns. Okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, last question, how do you spell Hanukkah? There's only one spelling, and it begins with a C. Thank you very much. We'll have to agree to disagree on that. <laughs> but uh, Jeremy Eisenberg, thank you so much for doing Kutzbah. Thanks for all you do for the community. And it was great to learn about checks and, and learn about your leadership. And just grateful that you did this. Thank you for My joining pleasure, us. My pleasure, Adam. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Chutzpah, a Jewish Roadie Media production. Today's episode was made possible by the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island and was edited and produced by Emma Newberry. Each of our in-person interviews is recorded at the Residential Properties Limited Studio at the Dwyer's JCC. Thanks so much to Jeremy for sharing his thoughts and insights on leadership. Tune in next time to hear from Courtney Nicolato of United Way. In the meantime, you can follow us on Spotify and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Jewish Roadie's projects and hear more from our community, head to jewishroadie.com, where you can also find our social media. That's it for today. See you next time on Chutzpah.